Um, last week we looked at the guy on the far left, and his, his strategy is the easy way in life. He takes the easy, the life of ease is what he's wanting. And honestly, um, many of us in this room would probably identify with one of these first two fools, if not tendencies of both. But um, last week, um, a number of folks came and said, man, that really uh, hurt. <laughs> because as we looked at the life of ease, it hurts because I know that's where I struggle. And, and I, I feel that same way when it comes to life of ease. Um, the, the, the life of ease character on the far left, his name in the Bible, the, the Hebrew name is Kassil. And so it's where we get this idea of the easy way strategy. Um, tends to be something that men struggle with. Um, but it's not exclusive to, to men alone. Um, you might be a lady here, and you struggle in the same way with this just wanting life to be a little easier. And so taking a, a passive approach in life may be the struggle that you face. Uh, motivation and staying, keeping your, your, a firm grip on your responsibilities. Those are the things that we struggle with if we, if we struggle there. This character we're looking at today, this lady who's out front, is kind of takes a more reactionary approach. This isn't something that only ladies struggle with. Uh, but as we look at the, the profiles, you tend to see some of the characteristics coming that emerge from this. And if you find, if you find that as we're looking at it, it gets very personal, um, then maybe God is showing you some things that he's, some areas that he's wanting you to change and begin to address. Um, it's hard not to see ourselves in the mirror as we study these things. So I want to encourage you, do not get discouraged as we look at this. And I'm going to go into painstaking detail again describing um, this strategy. Um, so let's pray before we go any further. Father, again, we thank you for this time, and I pray that you would speak to us through your word. And as we look at short, brief verses that highlight a, a way of life, a reactionary way of life, that you would speak to us, Lord, and help us to look in the mirror at anything that resonates with where we're at and where we're struggling. And I pray that you would protect our time against distractions and from those. And Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to really hear from you to process what you want us to take away, and then to, to set in action some steps that you'd want us to, to apply to our lives. We ask you for your help and the power to change. And it's in the Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was about nine years old, I was a Cub Scout, and I was only a Cub Scout for a couple years. And during that time, I you know, got patches, and I actually found, a, a, or my mom she, occasionally I show up to her house and she gives me another box. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's more stuff that they find that belong to you. And so there's another box, and in it was like my my Boy Scout shirt. That wasn't even the punchline right there, you know? <laughs> my Boy Scout shirt, and it had like my patches and stuff. Well, there was a couple of events as, Boy, as a Cub Scout. One was like the Pinewood Derby where you carve and race a car against someone else and didn't do well on that one. It's Cool car, but it was way too slow, and so um, disappointing experience. And then another thing was called the father-son cake bake, and it was like an auction where you'd bake a cake. Why you do this with your dad, I don't know. That's the mystery. But <laughs> so, so we bake this cake, decorate it, icing, all that. And I've got this cake, and I, I couldn't find the picture, but it's, I've got this picture of me holding this cake up with the arrow of light on the cake. And the arrow of light is, is this um, patch that you get, I think, or it's... It's something you arrive at when you accomplish certain things. And, and, and so it's like the thing you're shooting for. So I decorate this arrow of light on this white cake with yellow and blue frosting. And, it's, and I was just so proud of the cake that I made. And, and then I loved it so much that when it got auctioned off and sold, I threw a fit. Because I didn't want to part from my cake. 
I got so angry that I, that I made my dad go and buy the cake back from the guy that bought it. He'd already bought a cake. And so now nobody had to teach me to do that. Nobody had to teach me to use this strategy to get what I want. And no one has to teach you to throw fits. No one has to teach you how to get angry and blow up at people and, and throw a fit until you get your way. Well, what I'm really describing, what I did, is really a, the basic strategy of the reactive way fool. And so the reactive way fool uses upset. They get upset, or they use upset to get their way. They're often angry and upset. And they use it as a manipulative tool in order to get what they want in life. Now, it's normal for a toddler to use anger, to get upset, to throw a temper tantrum. It's normal for a toddler to do that, but it's less normal for a nine-year-old to do that when I did that as a nine-year-old. But it's a universal strategy, a strategy for kids and some adults. Um, This area of life, we're told in the Bible that parents are to train Really, the folly that generates this drive to to lash out and to get angry, that our parents are to train that out of us, that this folly, this stubborn self-centeredness is bound up in our hearts, and if if our parents are, are, they're really a tool to train out that stubborn self-centeredness. And um, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes our parents don't do that. And some people never let go of this strategy, and so... As adults, we polish the strategy up, we sophisticate the strategy, and so upset, getting upset becomes a useful tool in getting our way. Now, I can actually, and, and again, I want, guys, if you, if you deal with the easy way strategy, I don't want you to shut off and think, okay, I can take a nap. I'm going to take my easy nap here and check out because this is, this is not where I struggle. I don't want you to do that because as I look in the mirror, I find that I can still use this tool to get what I want. Now, this strategy is, is referenced a number of places in the wisdom books of the Bible. But, so I want to highlight several, just key verses, and the word fool is going to show up. So look at Proverbs twelve sixteen. It says, a fool. Now, this word fool is different from last week's word fool. In English, it reads the same, but in Hebrew, it's a different word. So this word is the evil fool. It's not E-V-I-L. So don't, if, if a person's with you that you know struggles with this, this is not a time to poke them and say you're evil or anything like that. The word evil, it actually, it's this reactive way, this reactive person. Now, we can all do this. We show annoyance immediately because we, really, we want what we want. So it says a fool, the evil, reactive fool, shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. So really from this, we start seeing that there's this, there's this outward expression of this strategy. It comes out. They react. We make it a habit of reacting at situations, at other people. And so because of this, relating to them, relating to an evil or reactive way person is kind of like trying to hug a cactus. And so I wouldn't recommend it. You get poked. You get, it hurts. It leaves a mark. Now, again, no side, you know, no, no poking the person beside you. What I really want to encourage you to do is throughout this whole series, just kind of be thinking, I need to look in the mirror and ask God, is there anything in this that, that deals with me? Is there anything I can identify with here? Here's some of the characteristics of the, this foolish strategy. The evil reactionary way is, is rebellious. This is going to be, if you want to follow along on this listening guide here, 
is rebellious. They don't go with the plan. If there's a plan, they, they don't go with the plan. They rebel from the plan. They're also adversarial, you find out. Meaning you don't want to cross them. Because if you do, you're going to pay. There's the controlling side to the, to the avil. Now, again, I'm not just giving you, and the last one is manipulative. When you look at all of these things, manipulation using anger, emotions, whatever is needed to get their way, I'm not just saying, yeah, this is a good way to describe it in my own mind. Really, as you study the places where this word, the avil, in the, in the Hebrew, as you study where this shows up, you begin to see this profile of a person. R- controlling, manipulative, outbursts in order to get their way, controlling of others. Now, I have a clip I want to show you here from the movie Back to the Future. And so this takes us back 30 years, and where the character's name is Biff. And Biff, Biff uses really the, a manipulative and controlling way of doing life. He has tactics to get his way. And he actually does a little bit of bullying too. And so the bullying is not necessarily the reactive um, approach. But you see what happens when you bully. You get your way even faster. And so um, what happens with this scene is Biff is this big guy and he intimidates through anger and through manipulation. And so you've got a smaller guy named George McFly who he's picking on, and he basically um, who, who has to walk on eggshells. And this is really the reaction of, of the way that people interact um, with someone struggling or someone dealing with the reactive way um, strategy. So let, let's take a look at this. I never noticed that uh, the car had any blind spot before when I would drive it. Hi, son. But what are you, blind, McFly? It's there. How else do you explain that wreck out there? Now, Biff, um, can, I, can I assume that your uh, insurance is going to pay for the damage? Well, my insurance? It's your car. Your insurance should pay for it. I, I want to know who's going to pay for this. I spilled beer all over when that car smashed into me. Who's going to pay my cleaning bill? And uh, where's my reports? Uh, well, I haven't finished those up yet, but, you know, I, I figured since they were due to... Hello? <laughs> Hello? Anybody home? Oh, uh, think, McFly. Right. Think. i got to have time yeah. to get them retired. Yeah. Uh, do you realize what would happen if I handed my reports in your handwriting? Yeah. I'll get fired. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Would you? Oh, of course not, Biff. No, I wouldn't want that to happen. Now, look, I'll uh, finish those reports on up tonight, and I'll run them on over first thing tomorrow, all right? Hey, not too early. I sleep in Saturday. Oh, McFly, your shoes untied. Oh. Don't be so gullible, McFly. Got the place fixed up nice, though, McFly. Hey, I have your car towed all the way to your house, and all you got for me is light beer? <laughs> What are you looking at, butthead? Say hi to your mom for me. I know what you're going to say, son. And you're right. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) 
he he works for him, and so he obviously he has to interact, but it's a pain to interact. And you know, Biff says, "You loaned me your car without telling me it had a blind spot." <laughs> so there's this edge of manipulation and control that he has, and then you add in the bullying, and it's it's a guy on a power trip. Now the reactive way fool, they want to run the show. They want to run the show. And so what people do is they run away. People run away and begin to avoid this type of person, like the plague even. Here's a rundown of, of their approach in life. This is really a composite from um, Scripture. Look at these different things. When relating to authority over them, they follow reluctantly. This is not on your listening guide. You can jot these down if you like. But when relating to leaders over them, leaders in the home, leaders on the job, leaders in the church, in a team, they follow reluctantly. If it's not their idea, then it's not a good idea. They also choose goals for authority. So they choose the goals for their leader. At work, for instance, they come up with ideas that they think should be implemented and insist that the boss goes along with with them. The same thing happens on teams and in church life, in small groups. You might have where there's a group leader, but then there's someone in the group who is choosing the goals for the leader. And if I ran the group, then here's how I do it. And so they start inserting how the group, the small group should be run and making suggestions. But they're really not suggestions. They're insisting upon these things need to happen here. So they choose the goals. They pick goals for their leaders. Here's how you should lead in the home. Here's how this church should be led or this workplace should be led. Another thing is they talk while the leader speaks. Which means whatever the leader is saying on the job is not important because they have a better plan anyways. So they don't need to pay attention. They talk. They're murmuring in the background. Now, with relationships in general, here's some things regarding them. They're unforgiving. If you cross them, that means you're going to pay. You're going to pay for it. Second, they decide what others ought to do. Again, they pick people's goals for them. But, and what happens is whenever we do that, whenever we start manipulating, pushing, and controlling others, uh, people are disrespected. They may go along with our plans at first, but then they eventually just pull back from us. They're quick to anger. There's frequent arguments with them. Conflict, tension, and animosity follow the reactive way person like a wake behind a boat. You just see kind of a, a, a mess of conflict. They refuse to take responsibility for wrong. They don't clear things up. Don't ask forgiveness. Don't apologize. And then last, they refuse to listen to advice. So when you see all these places where this word comes up, this is a profile of, of how they interact with people. They don't, they don't get advice. They don't listen to advice. They don't ask for advice. Why is that? Because when you, when you are a person who has everything figured out, then you don't need advice for, for, for your life. In fact, you start giving out a lot more advice to others. Sometimes it's not, you know, it's, it's unsolicited advice. But all, all of these characteristics add up to what we read in Proverbs 27.3. The impact of this is, is this. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty. There's this heavy weight, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. It's, it's a burden to relate. someone who is reactionary having them in a family in a group on a team that weighs it weighs down progress it creates an extra burden it's like trying to ride a bike with a warped tire it's just a bumpy road 
and it's going to be rocky. The friction that they create slows progress down. It generates a tremendous amount of ill will in their relationships. And so having enjoyable conversations with this type of person is so difficult because, again, it's like trying to hug a cactus or get close to a porcupine. Everything we do gets such a reaction that it's just not worth all the drama. And so over time, people run away from the reactionary person. As the kids grow older, they start sneaking around. Mom or dad, whichever one's the reactionary parent, they sneak around them rather than having to deal with the overreaction. A boss who struggles with, if if you're a, a leader who struggles with having a quick temper and reactionary side, then what happens is you don't get a clear picture of what's really going on in your organization. You don't get real-time information because um, your employees may, may try to steer around you. They want to avoid you because they're trying to avoid the next volcanic explosion and, and, and eruption. And so you don't really know what's going on because no one's really interacting with you. If you're an employee who is, who is reactionary, then you, you tend to be left out of decisions. You're not included in conversations. You're left out of the decision-making loop and, and are marginalized on the staff because of this. And just over time, resentment builds more and more um, because what we find out is that this approach is like if there's an animal to to tie it to. Like last week, we looked at the animal, um, the possum plays dead. That's the easy way is you play dead. You pretend like you're working, but you're not really working. And then when someone calls you on it, you get angry. Um, This this animal is the badger. And I want to show you a picture of the badger. Here, here's a cute little badger, right? This is called a honey badger. Okay? Would you want one of these as a pet? At this point, you're like, yeah. Looks like a, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, honestly. But, you know, it just doesn't look that harmful right there. But here they are. Here's a honey badger bearing their teeth. Now, these animals are about the size of a cat. But they can take down a grizzly and a lion. You can find pictures and video of lions and grizzlies not messing with the honey badger. And many other animals just staying clear of the honey badger because, again, relating to this type of an animal or this reactive way strategy in a person, it causes us just to want to avoid this person altogether. I don't, I don't want to go down that road if there's a honey badger down there. I don't want to walk down that aisle of the grocery store because if Biff is on the other end and you have a lot of interactions with Biff, the reactive way person, you, you see him and you're like, oop, going to food for less. <laughs> I'm going across town. Here, here's a great scene from Everybody Loves Raymond um, where everyone in this scene kind of tiptoes around the mother-in-law who happens to be an avial, a real strong reactionary mother-in-law. And you'll notice um, she's about to say, and it's real hard to pick up, so we'll have to kick the volume up right now because... She says, like, I'm out of here, or I'm, I'm, I'm heading home, or I'm leaving. And then she starts getting her coat ready. And, but you'll notice there's this dynamic where everybody tippy-toes around her. And so let, let's take a look. I think I'll straighten up. <laughs> hey, Chris and his dad are outside, and he asked me to get his keys for him. It seemed like he didn't want to come back inside. Well, I don't blame him. It was kind of a nightmare. Oh, yeah? Did your mother come over and make things worse, as usual? (laughs) 
She doesn't even need to really say anything, does she? Because she has a reputation. And with the reactive person, it's the elephant in the room. Everyone knows you don't want to set this person off. Now, this strategy has a tremendous negative impact on the people who choose it as a way of life. It ricochets. It starts wounding more and more people over time. And and long-term problems and damage comes to those who are committed to this pattern. So a full commitment to this strategy, you're you're inviting long-term hurt. Here's some of the specifics of that. In fact, plans keep falling apart on them. Proverbs 10, 14 says, The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Now this fool, again, that's the evil, the reactive way fool, their mouth, it, it brings ruin near. They're trying to build something, but everything they try to build gets ruined. They can't, it's nearly impossible to put a life together. Plans are just failing and ruined. Also, another interesting thing in Scripture regarding the impact of this strategy is this. Sickness is associated with this foolish strategy. There's a physical consequence to living this out long term. Sickness. Psalm 107.17, some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. I'm not exactly sure why there's this physical consequence of sickness, but this strategy, you can trace it in several places where you see a connection to sickness and the evil. Imagine, though, the long-term cost of stressing out trying to control people. I think that's where the tie is. When you're trying to control other people's lives through reactions and anger and manipulation, when you're trying to really run the world and be the ruler of your world and other people's lives, it is extremely stressful and tense for you. I want you to, I want everybody here for five seconds, don't hurt yourself, but for five seconds, tense up your body for five seconds. Just whatever you got to do, flex, just. Tense your body up for five seconds. Ready? Tense up. One, two, three, four, five. Now release. Now think about the impact of, of just trying to control and, and be in control of everything over decades. Just think about that. First service, I, I, I tensed in a certain way and I like pulled my back out a little bit and I hurt myself. So I'm like, I see the results of sickness. I see how this could build in me. Because when I'm trying to, and I've done this, to where I'm so, I'm so anxious and stressed out about something, to where I'm not able to relax. I'm not able to get rest. There's no refreshment. Now in the Bible, there's multiple references to that health issue linked to this strategy. Another thing is, rather than family and home growing stronger, they're torn down. You want to build a home? You want to build a strong home? And a healthy home, this undermines that. Proverbs 14.1, the wisest of women builds her house. So there's one person who does life God's way. That's the way of wisdom. They're building a house that stands firm. People are blessed. But the opposite, the, with folly, but folly with her own hands, folly is you know, giving a name to this character, with her own hands tears it down. Her works, her efforts, her words, her actions, her control is undermining and, and tearing down the home. Now, the image for this series shows this lady here, and you could see this kind of adversarial, you don't want to cross me expression on her face. It's controlling expression. 
About 10 years ago, um, this artist who drew this, who's a friend, he drew this character in a different way. He drew it out to reveal the full-grown reactive person over decades of, of doing this. And here, here's, his, here's the picture. This is in his mind. Now, he's an artist, and you know, this is how he imagines what will happen. It's, it's a repulsive picture because a pattern like this can become such a part of a person, they don't even realize the impact it's making on themselves. They're having trouble with health, trouble with relationships, on and on and on. <clears throat> now, guys, again, don't let, let yourselves off the hook just because the photo, the two photos were, were ladies, and you might be like, is that really a lady? Um, <laughs> but... Again, long-term problems come. Damage comes to those who are committed to this pattern. And it really is just the stress of trying to control the world. That wears people down. That wears us down, and we choose that. And we end up alone. If we choose this, we end up alone and frustrated with others. If they decide to do their own thing and run away from us. Now, the main reason we're doing this is so that we would identify foolishness in our own lives. And now, you may not fit the profile of this full strategy perfectly, but I would encourage you to think through, okay, how much of this do I see in myself? We've, we've painted a picture. Do you see 5%, 10%, 50%? Do you identify on that level? 80%? Uh-oh, I'm headed towards this fully blown reactive person. Um, last week as we looked at this, at this kind of launch of the series, we talked about the three heart problems that generate all of these strategies. The three problems are selfishness, arrogance, and damage. That there's those three core problems in our hearts that we have to battle. But the turning point for all of these comes when we trust God. I want to show you Proverbs 3, verse 5 and five through 8. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's, you shift from trying to control and you start trusting in God. This, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not, not lean or lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. When a person begins trusting God and releases the control, the need to control life, and begins trusting God, there's an impact. It brings health, healing, refreshment. Actually, God wants to heal us as we, as we trust Him in the flow of life, and with this area specifically. Here's... Two specific ways to, to allow God to change you. Number one is ask God to help you see the consequences of your folly. This is very similar to what we looked at last week, this point. But if you see your plans in life continually falling apart, or if you see your household dissolving before your eyes, ask God to show you what is my part in the trouble here. We need help. We need help in connecting this dot with this dot. The impact on my home, the, the isolation, even the sickness or the, just the hurt and the damage. We need help connecting the dots to be able to see, wow, I, I may be choosing the wrong strategy in life. Now, not all trouble in our life is our fault, but some of it is. Some of it is we, we choose things depending, and depending on our level of commitment to this strategy. We often can see the trouble in our lives 
and we start blaming God. We see the damage and isolation, and we see things, and we sickness, and we start blaming God. Look at Proverbs 19.3. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. We looked at this verse last week. When, when the approach I take in life, this word folly, it actually is it's a different word, but it, it's kind of the root of where the reactionary person gets this. The, the word folly there means um, stubborn self-centeredness. So when my stubborn self-centeredness leads me to a life of ruin, my, my knee-jerk is to, to get angry at God. God, you, you, you did this to me. This is your fault. We start raging at God and, and turning against him. And even towards others, we start blaming others. But it's important to be open to accepting fault. We have to accept fault. This is the first step, really, to making things right, is acknowledging I'm choosing these things, and this is bringing hurt and consequences. And if we'll do that, God forgives when we confess our sin to him. Confess means to agree with God. That's what the word confess means. I agree with God. If God says, this is wrong, because he's saying the reactionary way is wrong. It's not. It's it's sin. To confess that is, God, I agree with you. That's wrong. This approach I'm choosing is wrong. It's not getting me anywhere. If we're willing to do that, God, <clears throat> he begins to wire in healing to our lives. Second thing is focus on what God wants you to do, not what others ought to do. Again, the, the reactionary person wants to control others' lives. So as life flows by, ask God to help you focus on yourself. Focus on your role, your own role in the responsibility and the circumstance, and not the role of others. Look at a New Testament verse that kind of carries the idea of, I have to pay attention to my own stuff. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. We start measuring ourselves. This, he's talking, Paul's writing, he's talking about the way we measure ourselves to other people and start comparing ourselves to others and we can do this with this area of being reactionary. We can nitpick others and control. See, God gives each of us a life, and he holds each of us accountable for what we do with our life. And we'll answer to him. And we're made in the image of God, and this gives each one of us in the room, because we're made in his image, a tremendous amount of dignity and worth. Now, if I start trying to control another human being, that's incredibly demeaning and degrading, and it's extremely offensive to my maker to our maker when we start doing that. It builds resentment in the other person as they feel controlled by us. So what, asking God, God, would you help me to focus on what I'm responsible for? Focus on what's my responsibility, what's my scope of responsibility in life? And just keep humbling ourselves to receive God's help to overcome this, this strategy. Now the opposite of the foolish strategies of all these is, is wisdom. The opposite of folly is wisdom. Jesus wants to change our hearts, and lead us to really live wisely. Wisdom begins from choosing to follow Christ. He's the one who will guide you to experience life his way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the fear of the Lord is a point where we break through doing life our own way. We punch through into life on God's terms. When we yield to to, to Christ as Lord, that's the New Testament idea is, is that Christ being Lord, the Old Testament idea is to fear him. It's to take God so seriously that we do life his way. We believe he's real. We don't play around. We, we believe God is real and true. And, and so we break through into wisdom by yielding our lives to Jesus Christ. Now, if you already know him, I want to encourage you to just examine yourself along these, 
these lines, kind of consider, how am I doing these things? And then if you don't yet know him, I want to encourage you to give your life to him. Or continue to investigate, what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it really mean um, to let God lead my life? We would love to talk with you about that. Uh, Our staff will be at the guest and information table. If you'd like to talk with any of us, you can certainly come up and do that. You can also check um, the first next step. You'll see as you as you flip over to the next steps, this is on the connection card as well. The first one is to, if you're at a point where you're ready, for the first time I accept Jesus as my Savior and will follow him as my Lord. We've seen many people process that decision for, for months, if not a few years in our church. And it's really a point where they, there's a clarifying that goes on where we're trying to understand what does it really mean to follow Christ. There's a point where we get clarity on that issue, but then to, to choose to yield our lives to him as the boss is something that we have to we have to take our hands off that steering wheel and let the Lord lead us. And that's that's a that's a big decision. So if you're in that process, we want to encourage you to um, to keep investigating Christianity and following Christ. If you check that first box on the next step, then we will get in touch with you and provide some resources to help clarify what that means and make sure you understand what the scripture says about that. Second, ask God to help you see the consequences of this foolish pattern sometimes again we're so ingrained in our lives that we fail to see the pain that we're causing and the last thing is go back and clear up the relationships that i've damaged if you've been reactionary this step helps us learn and it helps us grow when we actually go back and say you know what i've really been approaching my life in the wrong way and i'm I'm realizing that i've been really controlling this relationship hurt you and others, and I just want to ask you to forgive me for being this way and be specific. But as you do that, as we don't just brush things under the carpet, but as we deal with what is and clear things up, that's a point that uh, of growth for us. And like we don't want to stay there. He actually motivates change in us. It also begins the healing process in our lives and the lives of the people that we may have hurt along the way. Um, I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage. And before we receive... Uh, also our ushers are going to be preparing to receive the offering and before we receive this morning's offering this whole area even has a link to generosity because the issue of control and needing to be in control is really at the heart of of generosity the issue of am i going to trust god or am i going to want to be in control of everything and so the challenge for us in life is to to release control and begin trusting god more and more and so In a moment, we're going to pray, and as we as we pray, I want you to just consider, like, if the Lord's spoken to you on, on something specific, then use this time to just confess that to the Lord, and just, you can quietly do that. You can say, God, I, I, I'm really sinning against you in this area, and, and I just want to ask you to forgive me. I admit that I've been doing this. I want to ask you to forgive me, and I receive your forgiveness. Help me to move forward from here. So let, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Once again, as we've looked at it and in a very practical way, really tried to unpack a, uh, an idea that we find in Scripture. And Lord, it's sadly, it's one that is close to home for so many of us, Lord. And so I pray that, Lord, as we've looked at it, as you've spoken to us, Lord, I pray that you would move us to place of releasing this to you we should admit to you god 
where we've sinned against you and where we've hurt others in this area. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for our stubborn self-centeredness and our needing to have life on our own terms. We ask you to forgive us of that. We receive your forgiveness right now. I pray that this week as we kind of process further, Lord, that we just sit with you and spend some time allowing you to speak more to us, more specifically um, about areas of needing confession and maybe reconciliation with others. We ask you for just a breakthrough, Lord, in our lives. We pray your blessing over the offering that we're about to receive. We ask that you use it to multiply the efforts that will help advance your kingdom for all eternity. We pray that in Jesus' name.